Hi, my name is Kevin McDonald, and I'm declaring my independence. Independence from what? Why, negative thoughts and energy, of course. Chief among them, hate, division, and fear. You see, I know that we're all one, and together we can solve any problem, save our planet and each other. Please, join me as we come together as one and choose a better way to be. So now, let's begin with my independence report. And good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to my independence report. And we've got a great show for you today as uh, well, of course, that would be me. I would always think we have a great show for you. But sometimes maybe, well, this is going to be an exceptional show, uh, I feel, because uh, first of all, I have to tell you, we, we've got Shannon Ezo with us. Ezo, right? Ezo. Ezo, I, I knew I would screw that. I had <laughs> two ways of going. I, <laughs> I, I mean, go. everybody screws it up, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Shannon Ezo, by the way, I have to tell you, Shannon is my most favorite name of all time. Really? Um, oh, absolutely. If I had a girl child, I had two boy child children, uh, Travis and Sean. And uh, if I had, if Travis would have been a girl, it would have been Shannon and Sean. Because um, it's a nice Irish name, and I just love it. It sure is. Yes, it is. <laughs> well, so, thank you. It's it's a great name, and I, I am so glad that you're here. I have wanted to talk with someone like you for a very long time because this is a topic that we're going to discuss today that is not only needed to be brought out into the public into the public eye a lot more than it is because a lot of people are ashamed or they've got a problem with it or or whatever and that and so and you've written a book about it and it's a 500 page book if you go to amazon it's five yes oh hold on there it is five <laughs> stars and uh, um it's it's was about a three-year relationship that she had that turned badly and the name of the book is battered blessings surviving my abusive toxic relationship shannon welcome to the podcast thank you thank for you being for having here. me thank you so much i'm excited to be here i i love i love the fact that you've written this book because it is so 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 necessary that people get out and talk about this because it, it is so I guess I guess the best way to begin is tell us your story. Um, it, yeah, just tell us your story. <laughs> well, um, it's a long story, but uh, so basically, the book takes you through a three-year um, time period of my life, meeting my abuser, the red flags that I ignored, the behavior that I dismissed, and moving into a house together, and then it becoming physically and sexually violent. Um, so I take you through that whole journey and the outcome of how I left, why I left, and how my life has flourished since leaving, because I think that that part's even more important to discuss, not to take away from the other stuff, but there are so many stories that don't end happily, or that women just don't get out of, that I think it's really, I, I just want to enlighten people and, and kind of inspire them to make the changes that they need to make. Absolutely. Now, the first thing I want to talk about is when you went into this relationship, obviously you had no earthly idea that it was going to end up being the way it ended up. Right. Um, and you thought he was a good guy and, and was, was worth pursuing and somebody that would, would be helpful and you could make a good partnership and all that kind of stuff. All that relationship stuff was there, right? No, no, not at all. Actually, for him, I had more of a motherly pull to him. He 
kind of lured me in by telling me his sad story because he was a victim of abuse, being neglected, you know, thrown out by his parents and in the system and all of the things that he had to endure. So the more I learned of his really tragic life story, the more I just felt really protective over him. And I wanted to show him, you know, genuine love for once in his life. And I saw him as a, you know, unloved kid almost. So you were acting kind of like your motherly instinct right. was to take care of him. And, and he, you can, you have got the ability and the power to change oh, yeah. him and to make it and to make it all better. Right. Yeah. We all tell ourselves that <laughs> we do. We and, do. And it's a, it's a problem because you can't change anybody. No, you can lead a, a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. That is the true thing ever. So when did it turn badly? So the physical violence started when I first met him, he moved into my apartment with me shortly after we started, you know, being together and he would have his tantrums, you know, punch holes in the wall, break things, cry, all that stuff. But the physical part didn't start happening until we moved. He wanted to move into a house together. That was our own. So I couldn't kick him out. And we did. And the day it, the day we moved in was the first day he put his hands on me, but he didn't really hurt me. He just choked me up against the wall and reprimanded me like I was a child. And I was just like shocked more than anything. Like, where did that come from? You know what I mean? He didn't, it didn't physically hurt me, but it probably should have alarmed me a little bit more than it did at the time. Isn't that something that, that in, at that moment you would be concerned, um, but not so concerned that, that because you weren't hurt, right. um, but you felt like he was, um, he was showing signs that he hadn't really shown before, although he did have a temper. Oh yeah. He definitely had a temper and he had a reputation of doing this to his wife prior to me. So I really just ignored a lot. I, I completely, you know, cause he wasn't like that with me. So I believed him, you know, I believed everything he said. He groomed me very well. He's very good at what he does. But the day we moved into that house, that's when it started. Oh, so about uh, 11 months into our relationship is when it started getting physical. And it continued that way. And so let me ask you, he, th he takes you up against the wall. He chokes you. Um, and after the episode's over, did he apologize? Did he say, I was just angry and I'm sorry and I'll never happen again? Any of that? No, it was actually I got shamed afterwards because I did whatever I did. I was mouthy to him in front of um, the guy that was there to hook up the cable and his little cousin was there and everything. And he just, I embarrassed him. That was a huge trigger for him. Him being embarrassed or feeling embarrassed in front of people was really one of the first things that would set him off because he was very insecure. So in, in, in essence, you blamed yourself then oh, for every time, almost every time. Yeah for embarrassing him and I shouldn't have embarrassed him and it was my fault. And, and if I don't embarrass him, that'll never happen again, yada, yada, right. yada, and all that kind of stuff, which you know, to be true, that it's not true now. Not at all. Yeah. <laughs> but you really, you talk yourself into believing that because in your eyes, you're the strong one in the relationship. They need you, you know, it would detriment this person for you to leave their life or, shine a light on what was really going on. So you talk yourself into being strong enough to, to deal with it. 
that that I it's amazing to me because I first of all I cannot in in my life experience I cannot imagine putting my hands in anger on a woman um, or or a mate or even another guy I'm, I I you know I can't imagine that but how did he in your mind how did he rationalize was it was it that it was always your fault and if you yeah. didn't do these things that he wouldn't then be forced to uh, attack you. Exactly. Yeah. That would be the speech afterwards. If anything was said, a lot of times we just never addressed it and went on about like nothing happened because we didn't want to talk about it or trigger him again. It was really uncomfortable uh, once we moved into that house because I was seeing a new person that I didn't know. I had given up everything to get into this house. All of my money was tied into it. And I was starting to see something that I really wasn't liking, but I didn't really know how to maneuver through it. So all I could do was get through one day at a time. It's amazing to me that the tricks our mind plays on us, mm -hmm. um, that that we will allow that to continue. But it's it's a very, very common thing, isn't it? Yeah, it very much is. And in with the women that I've spoken to that reached out to me or that we you know have connected since writing this book, I think the biggest commonality that we all have is insecurity and uh, mother motherliness. You know what I mean? So it's really easy to be manipulated when you're insecure. So for me, I'm trying to change that behavior in myself and not portray that in front of my daughter, which I think is super important because I want her to be very strong and confident so that she, you know, she doesn't even bother with something like this. Oh, exactly. By the way, if you'd like to make a comment, you can. Um, Kayla May is here. She's uh, she's with us. And then I'll just play him across the screen screen for you, which is, yep, they make you feel that way. It's it's mind games. Now, yeah. let me ask you a question, though. Do you think that he was smart enough to, to know that he was actually manipulating you? Or was this just kind of his way of that's how he did it? Yes and no. Um on an educational level, he really wasn't very smart. I, you know, not to disrespect him on camera, but he was smart enough to know how to play the game, if you know what I mean. Um, so yeah, I mean, he does the same thing with every woman that he's, you know, been with. And actually the woman that he was with when my book came out, he beat the crap out of her so badly that he fractured her um, eye socket and messed up her nasal cavity. She's going to have to get a bunch of surgeries and everything. But Long story short with her, her and I have connected and she's such a beautiful, wonderful person. And we've somehow become each other's strength through this and are helping each other get through it as much as we can. But the more we get to know each other, the more we see ourselves in one another. Like we have such similar personalities. It's almost identical. It's mind blowing. So he definitely has enough smarts to have a, you know, he has a pattern of who he goes after. So he 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 recognized that in you and okay. also in in the in the gal following and he he used that and he recognized that that was there so he used that against you okay. in a, in a kind of a mind game sort of thing. Yeah. And it's for him it's motherly women that he goes after. He goes after somebody that's strong, that's stable, um financially stable. In her case she already had three kids in my and a career and was fine. She was doing fine on her own. In my case, I had a, a career that I had started when I was 17. I was doing great. And I just, I just had that motherly um, instinct so strongly with him that 
it broke my heart to think about somebody else abandoning him because everybody else already had, or so I believe. I have to ask you, why is this man, if he, if he, um, injured her so badly, why is he not in jail? He is right now. Oh, good. Yep. That, he that actually, uh, ironically got extradited. He was in jail in Florida and got extradited on his birthday up to Philadelphia where the attack happened. So he's sitting in prison in Philadelphia right now waiting to, uh, what comes of it so did has he been charged he has he has five charges against him right now out there one of the things i wanted to ask you about was i and i hear this a lot that uh there'll be a domestic violence situation and um uh the police will be called and whenever that happens at least in washington state if the police get called for domestic violence somebody's going to jail mm-hmm um, but then the woman will turn around and, and turn around and say, no, he didn't mean it, or I'm not going to press charges or what, what is that behavior all about? Um, that's a, that's a really toxic, what is called a, um, abuser bond, right? So you have this weird bond with them and you learn for every action, there's a reaction. So if you've already, somebody has made the mistake, you don't even have to, somebody in the, in the vicinity has made the mistake of calling the police and bringing attention to this. Right. Now, as soon as it gets serious, you start calculating everything that might might be the outcome of this and you freak out. You literally panic. So to get yourself out of it, you know, save your own ass. Basically, you try to make it right by dropping charges or, you know, trying to do whatever you can to not have them in trouble. Can you do that for self-protection? Um, I think that's the mindset. Uh, I never did it, but I think that's the mindset during those times. It's, it's a, it's a self-preservation thing because once it gets that serious and that heated, it's all or nothing. Almost you, you're either going to have to make decisions to go this way or stick it out. And it's going to get worse that way. Cause now you pissed him off. He's in jail and he's not happy about it. You know what I mean? All he has to do is sit there and think about, you know, whatever he's going to do when he gets out. So it, it happens a lot. Now in the course of time, now you were with him for three years in the course of time, you reached the conclusion that this wasn't going to get any better and it was probably going to get worse and that you could end up being severely injured. So is, is that was your, that your mindset when you decided you'd had enough? No, actually I got pregnant. So yeah, when I got pregnant, I actually had two black eyes and I had, we had this huge fight shortly before I found out I was pregnant where I was drugged down the stairs by my hair and kicked and beaten. And his uncle sat there and did nothing about it in my own house. And I had already kind of gotten to the point where I knew it wasn't, this was not healthy. This was not right. And this maybe isn't even something that I can handle, but it didn't really click for me until I got pregnant. And I just was absolutely not going to raise my kid around that. Absolutely. Well, congratulations on, on making that decision. Um, because it's, it's, it, it was a ballsy decision to make, but your children and your child, and you know, I know somebody else has talked to you about this before, but you have to break the generational pattern. Yeah. Um, and if you don't do that, then it's going to continue on. And it's a, you're, you were abused. Your daughter would be abused. It would become mm-hmm. part of the fabric of the, of the family. And, and you don't want to have that happen. No. And I didn't want my daughter to think that this was normal. You know, it's, it's 
it, he thought it was normal because that's what he came from. His whole family has a lot of toxic traits and his father was, for lack of better terminology, basically Satan. So he was raised to believe that that was normal, that it was acceptable and okay to behave however you wanted to. Plus he was in a, a bike club at the time. So I, I he had a little more of a cocky attitude about being able to get away with anything. So. And if he was in a bike club, he also probably was aggressive physically. Well, he was, yeah, the, the club wasn't, I have, you know, nothing bad to say about the club, but he was, yeah, he was. It's, it's, it's such a, it's, it's such a shame that, that people have to go through this, but it, it's, it's amazing to me how many people do in your research for your book, by the way, we're talking with, uh, uh, with Shannon Ezzo. Yes. Nailed oh. it. Perfect. And <laughs> she's written the book Battered Blessings, Surviving My Abusive Toxic Relationship. Please go to Amazon, get the book. Um, if you know someone who is dealing with the oh, there you go. There's the title of it. Yep. If, it's a, if you know somebody that is dealing with this, and I think, you know, more people know about it than are willing to say they know about it and but if you know somebody get this book put it uh um in their car or wherever they can find it so that they can read it so that they can understand that they need to make changes that this isn't going to get any better it's just going to get worse over time and that was your experience wasn't it that was my experience yes and unfortunately, the statistics show that, you know, 75% of the murders that happen due to domestic violence happen after the woman tries to flee. So that's when it gets really dangerous. And that's, I think, a lot of what keeps women just comfortably miserable, knowing that they're going to survive the next day. Holy crap. Are you telling me? I'm flat. I'm, I'm speechless. And that doesn't happen to me very often. You're 75%. Mm -hmm. of women are murdered after they try and get away. No, 75% of murders that happen due yeah. to domestic violence. Right. So and that's, that's a really shocking statistic because most people take it like you just did the first time and they have to reread that and let it soak in because it is astonishing. Like they just go crazy. <laughs> There's no better terminology for it. So, and that's why, that's one of the reasons why, if, if you read that statistic, mm -hmm. that would be one of the reasons why you would stay right. because you're scared of that happening to you, to you or your kids. Cause there might be kids in the situation too. <sighs> yeah. It can, it can be a, a, a heart wrenching heart. And, and his family was, was thinking, oh, this is semi-normal. This is just how you behave. No, I think they just didn't really know i mean it's just it is who he is you know they they just always dismissed it and i wasn't really very forthcoming at first about what was going on for a long time and didn't really tell my story until i wrote the book so they didn't have a completely open window to what had happened to me but they did have to what had happened to the woman before me and you know before her so I think right now they're realizing that maybe there's a lot more truth to who he is than what they originally wanted to believe, which is an unfortunate realization. He has a lot of siblings. Um, 
but it is what it is. And the, you know, I, this isn't some kind of smear campaign that I'm doing. I'm not, I've never said his name publicly. I've never bashed him or disrespected him publicly, but I want people to know that guys like this need help too. Throwing mm -hmm. them in jail isn't doing anything to fix the problem. They're just going to sit there getting more angry. So if we don't kind of establish some kind of rehabilitation program for them while they're in there to learn healthier behavior, then what's ever going to change? When he was doing these things, did he ever stop and say, maybe what I'm doing isn't really quite normal. Maybe I should go get some counseling. Um, not really. When he would uh, be intoxicated, he would have different feelings about certain things. Or if I busted him doing drugs or something like that and caught him in a moment, then he would have little mini breakdowns where he was really sad and apologetic. And I kind of clung to that. I hung on to that because that's the, that little vulnerable guy was who I originally, you know, wanted to be helpful to. So I think that that carried a lot of weight with me, unfortunately, during those times and probably with a lot of women. So after three years, you were pregnant with your daughter. Mm -hmm. you, you needed to, you made the decision you were going to go. How'd you do it? Well, uh, I had, we had a gender reveal party and I was certain I was going to have a boy. I was so, I was praying for a boy because I just knew he couldn't handle a girl. And when it came out that it was a girl, I kind of went into a little panic mode inside and was just, praying to find my way out because I knew I wanted to leave at that point. As soon as I knew it was a girl, I knew I needed to get out there. So finally, two weeks later, we had an argument in front of his uncle and um, cousin, and he threw a lamp at me from across the room and it hit me in the head. So that's really all I needed. I just needed that one last cherry on top just to, to solidify that he's not going to change for this baby. And they prevented me from calling the police and got him out of there. So I packed my things, called my dad and brother, asked them not to ask any questions and just come help me move my stuff. He threw a lamp at you? Yes, sir. You <laughs> While I, I was pregnant. What? With his daughter? Yes, four months pregnant. He said uh, it was an accident later on. <laughs> You Good. accidentally picked up a lamp that was plugged into the wall and chucked it at my head. Cool. <laughs> oh boy. That, that, you know, I, first of all, I admire your courage Thank you. to be, to uh, be willing to do this, to put a book together, which by the way, the name of the book is battered blessings, surviving my abusive, toxic relationship. And there, there's the book itself, beautiful title, and it's a beautiful uh, uh, cover to it. And it's a very real cover to it because you've got a before and you got an after picture. Right. Or a during picture and an after picture. Um, and that, that was that I can't believe that people would do that to each other, but they do. And uh, um, I'm, I'm real excited for you that you were able to get out of that relationship. But then there's a bright side that happened after that, isn't there? A ton of bright sides. Like my daughter really is amazing. I would do it all over again for her because she's so cool. But um, the man that took me in when I was being abused, he didn't know anybody. So it was kind of like a safe house I could go to. And after I had my daughter, just watching him 
fill the role that the other guy was supposed to be filling and wasn't made me fall in love with him. So we actually ended up getting married and we've been married over two years now. And I own a company and I have my first book out and my daughter just turned four and she just got officially adopted by my husband. So everything's really awesome right now. Oh, that's congratulations for that. And Ted, Ted, by the way, says strong woman. And Kayla says you're a survivor and overcome a lot, which you have, and that you are an in, in, in incredible inspiration for people that are going through this because it is, it, you know, it, it's something that you cannot allow to continue, uh, especially with your daughter involved. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I went, I caught a lot of flack from my family during that time, actually, because while I was pregnant, I did want to give him an opportunity to be a father. Sure. And I felt like that was the right thing to do, even though it caused a lot of stir with my family. I just, I felt like I had to give him the opportunity, you know, how do you know if somebody's capable of it, if you don't let them try? So I, I agreed to let him be in the, the delivery room and, and spend those days with us and watch her be born and do all that. But that was when he, when he realized that I wasn't going home with him after that, it was really, that was the, the end of it for him. He didn't, he didn't really try after that at all. And then he ended up giving up his company and moving to Florida and getting away from her. Has he, uh, so he does not have a relationship with his daughter. No. In, in judging from his behavior, that's probably a good thing. That definitely is a good thing. At this point, I don't have a problem with that. I I do think it's the best thing, but at, at that time I was still going through the heartbreak and being in love with this person and really wanting to give him what he wanted. And it was really hard for me to not only leave him for me, but see how, how I took it very personally when he wasn't doing what he needed to do for our daughter. I took, sure. I took it very personally and it was infuriating and heartbreaking, but then I had a lot of guilt that came with that watching him downfall really. I mean, he spiraled. He, was going through it after I left him, but I just had to do what I had to do. I had to do what was right for her. I couldn't, couldn't allow myself to come back in and be his savior ever again. So you'll have to help me here. Mm-hmm. I'm, 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 I'm a little confused because he, he apparently, he apparently loved you because when you left, he was, he was, he was, uh, he went downhill after that. Uh, but he didn't treat you the way that somebody that loves somebody would. Um, so what was his deal? Was it, was it just a matter of power and control? Um, well, drugs had a lot to play in that. Yeah. Cocaine's a hell of a drug. But I don't think he ever loves anyone because he doesn't even love himself. He doesn't know how. He was never shown love or given love as a child or any. I mean, his God. When, he, when I first met him, he told me his dad punched him in the face when he was four years old and made him go half blind in his left eye, which is why his glasses were so thick. And that was shocking. I mean, I have a four-year-old right now. If anybody touched my daughter, I would literally murder them. There's no polite way of saying, like, why would you do that to your own kid and, and nope. start them off on that path? So it was so disgusting to me that I just, oh, God, I just wanted to, it was like a little wounded animal, you know what I mean? And I just wanted to to help him feel better. So love, I don't think played a whole lot of uh, part on either side. Unfortunately, like I really did think I was in love with him for a long time, but I realize now 
that it, it was more of a, a, a motherly nurturing feeling that I had towards him. And I know he never, he's, he doesn't even love himself, so he can't love anybody else. Not the way that he behaves. So it's kind of like a codependent thing. Yeah, but absolutely. I've actually been diagnosed with that since. So a lot you learn about yourself in counseling. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad, I'm glad that you went through it and, and you came out the other side and you didn't, and um, the bad things that, that could have happened to you didn't happen to you. And, a lot uh, of bad things did happen to me, but I think that's why it's so important to tell the story and uh, in such graphic detail, because the book is very graphic. I don't know if you've had a chance to flip through it yet, but it's quite detailed. And I did that for a reason. I don't know if you ever heard of David Peltzer or read um, A Child Called It back in the 90s. I did, yes. That book, right. So that book kind of inspired, you know how raw and real and nitty gritty and graphic, that's how my book is. And I wanted to write it that way so that you felt exactly what I was feeling throughout the whole journey. I want you to laugh, cry, be heartbroken, be scared, be mad, because that's what I went through. That was my journey. And I wanted you to understand what was going on in my head during that, that time. So this book is really, you know, it's important for people that are going through it to feel less alone, sure. But it, it can be a helpful tool for people that suspect that a loved one might be going through something similar because I kept it very hidden. I was very dishonest about it for, for the most part. I, there was a handful of people that kind of knew and suspected and saw a few things, but turned a blind eye because I begged them to. I have a very aggressive father and, and a very aggressive brother that I didn't want to find out about this because it would have escalated to something it didn't need to go to because I still, I still protected him. Every thought that during this process, every thought you have is about them. It's about how to preserve them how to you you feel like you're protecting them the whole time oh absolutely and kayla says amen you're so beautiful and lots of people can use this advice because oh, thank you it's 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 because of the shame and the mm -hmm. stigma that's involved with it you want to hide it and and you also don't want to admit that you are a party to it or that it's happening to you because um you're right if if i had a daughter named shannon <laughs> who, who would have dream I, came through <laughs> if my dream came through and i had instead of two boys i had a girl and a boy and i found out that that my daughter was being abused by somebody it would be a very Over. bad day absolutely and that's how my dad you know my dad and brother both my brother's a little more crazy than my father is but i i just knew how it would go you know so i didn't want them they were the last people i ever wanted to find out about it so let me ask you there are people out there and it, and it comes up in your book and um and one of the things you want to dispel and to work through is when people say well, why don't you just leave right they say that but like it's so easy to that infuriates me um, you're, you're groomed to stay and, and while, while you're in it, first of all, you're in the thick of it. You don't, you don't just get with somebody and, and 30 days into the relationship, they're beating the tar out of you. That's not how it works. They groom you. It's, it's a lot like predators who go after kids and stuff like that. They have to form a, a, a trusting relationship. That's some kind of bond. And it takes a long time for me. It took about a year, um, for the woman after me, he waited about two years. For them to be together to show who he was and then he unfortunately hurt her physically a lot more than he hurt me but 
it's a grooming process. And while you're while you're in it, you really don't believe that you're being abused if you're anything like I am anyway. I'm I'm so stubborn. But like if I don't have to go, you know what I mean though? But if you don't have to go sure. to the hospital and get stitches or like a bone didn't break or you're not dead, you really like convince yourself that, okay, well, it's not that bad. Especially I I thought back. I didn't just sit there and take it nine times out of ten. There were a couple instances and that's all in the book. But I fought back. If you're going to punch me in the face, I'm going to punch you in the face. So I didn't feel like a victim. I felt like a survivor through the whole thing. It was like an MMA match. It kind of was, yeah. <laughs> I learned a lot about how strong I am. Well, and you, and you need to be because you had to protect yourself. And uh, yeah. But there also is, by the way, I wanted to throw this out because you and he got into a house together, right? Yeah. You weren't married. Okay. Um, just so you know, and in the, the, the way the laws in Washington work, I don't know about it everywhere else, but in Washington, if you go move into a house and you're not a married couple and you're just together and something bad happens, you can't get rid of the other person. It is right. their, it is their legal residence as well. Right. And so you can't there. It becomes a situation where you've got this house, you've got this piece of property and you've got equity tied into it. And the only way for you to get out is to actually leave it and leave it for him. Okay. Uh, but, and so there's a lot of stuff that goes into that, isn't there? And that's a lot of stuff that you have to think about too. Um, in my case, luckily we, we were renting, we weren't buying the house. Um, but we did, we had just signed a new lease. So I was able to, after a very long journey and a lot of evidence and, and battles was able to remove myself from the lease through the, um, the renter's company after I provided them a, you know, a police report and documentation and everything that I had a new address and I was no longer there because of domestic violence. But that's really, they didn't legally have to do that. I don't think, I think they just did because I, I hounded them and wanted that you know, expunged from my record basically, because as soon as he started moving other people in and it started becoming a drug house, I didn't want my name anywhere near it. It sounds like he's, I, I know we talked about it earlier. And if you just joined us, by the way, we're talking with uh, Shannon Ezzo and she's written the book battered blessing, surviving my abusive, toxic relationship. Hold up the book. Thank you so much. And uh, please, if you know somebody that is uh, um, that you suspect, and most of the time, like Shannon says, she hit it, um, and most people do because of the shame involved with it, because they don't want to have to deal with big brothers and and dads coming down and <laughs> causing a big problem, so they they hide it. But uh, yeah. but it is important that they understand that there is a surviving past it and surviving through it. Mm -hmm. Wanted to ask you who the gentleman that you met that you're now married to. How mm -hmm. did you find him? Um, he and I had dated for like a month, like seven years ago or something like that. And I just, we ran across each other again on Facebook. I sent him a, a stupid message of something that had reminded me of him. And cause he messaged me when my dog died, my dog was killed while I was at work during this relationship. And he knew how important that dog was to me. So he messaged me, you know, condolences and everything. And I hadn't responded for a long time, but I still had his little bubble there, you know? So I just saw some stupid thing and it reminded me of him and I sent it to him and we sparked a conversation. Literally that night I met up with him for a drink because I didn't know I was pregnant at the time. And 
we just started talking and it was really casual. And about an hour into that conversation, he asked me if I was going to tell him about why I had two black eyes. And nobody had ever confronted me like that and made me face that. And I burst into tears and started telling him everything. So that night, he told me that he would take my dog because I got a puppy to replace the dog that was killed. And um, the person that I was with wasn't very nice to the puppy. So he told me that he would take the puppy so I could find figure out what I was going to do next. And then I found out I was pregnant about two days later after that meeting. So <laughs> I was freaking out. So when I came to visit the puppy after he had taken the puppy on, I, he just was like, you just need to move in here. He doesn't know me. He doesn't know where I live. He doesn't know anything about it because I almost lost my, my child and I had been taken out of work because I'm a cabinet finisher. So everything's really manual and the, the fumes and everything. So yeah. I couldn't support myself financially, which is like the first time in my life since I was 15 that I couldn't. So when I caught the lamp to the head, which was only a couple weeks later, I didn't really have much of a choice. I didn't want to go somewhere where he was going to go look for me. And I just, I came here and slept on the floor that night. So you were lucky enough to find a place that he had no earthly idea where you could possibly be. Yep. So you just kind of disappeared. I did. And, and which is really almost you. Would you um, give, give the ladies in the audience some advice if they know somebody that's going through this, do you set it up? Do you plan for it? Do you do you wait till the time is right? Do you find a place that you can be where you can be safe? Do you go to a government agency? What do you recommend somebody do? You do whatever you have to do to get out. But unfortunately, until she's ready, you can't do anything. You can try to, you know, talk her into or guide her into or provide her with certain kind of information. But until that person is ready to leave, it's like quitting smoking or quitting drinking until you're ready to fix that problem, it, no change is going to be made. I made that mistake and actually wrote about it in the book. And um, the lady that uh, is in the book, a cousin of my abusers, actually her, his wife was being abused and, and didn't tell anybody until she told me after I left. And I helped her get out. I helped her and her kids. I packed everything in the car. She called me over and on a whim, got her out, got her a hotel room, was like really stuck my neck out for her and then she was back with him the very next day so you just it, exactly it's a, it's a such a tricky situation and to be the the friend or support of that person can can be quite a strain quite a strain it can also be dangerous can't it absolutely absolutely mm -hmm. because if he if he finds out that you helped her um get out and then she comes back and says well you know shannon just helped me out and put me up in a hotel room and and stuff he he could actually come talk to you about, he, about that. yeah well what he did instead was he stalked well he was like a hacker or something and he found out where i was staying and gave that information to my abuser and so then i got a phone call of threats and he posted my address on his Instagram and, you know, just a lot of childish stuff that followed, but no, he never, I never spoke with her again. I never followed up with her because at that point I, I wasn't going to keep putting myself in danger while I was pregnant and trying to deal with my own situation for somebody that is obviously not ready to get out. So 
if they're not ready to get out and and it's because well is it because they love the guy is it because of fear is it a combination of of fear and 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 not being secure in yourself what 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 drives that kind of all of the above plus you know they had kids together too so that was a big factor i think as well and they'd been together i think at that point it was over 10 years so it's it's a long time and you you form this trauma bond with this person that's so it it's indescribable it's it's passionate it's sick it's it's like a drug almost because the highs are so high and so beautiful and they make you feel so good and then the lows are just as tragic and dusty and and heartbreaking but you're constantly trying to get after that high again you because you know it can be good but it just never stays that way and now now of course uh if you're just joining us uh he is um um no longer no longer in your life thank god Mm -hmm. no longer in your daughter's life he's now he's now uh in in jail waiting uh he's got he's got five felony account five felony charges Five charges. I don't think they're felonies, but yeah, he's got five charges against him. And um, and so that's the, so that's good. He's taken. He's off the streets, and he's not. It's see when I was reading your bio, it was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You you're talking with the person that had a relationship with him after you, and she went through the same thing that you went through. He learned nothing by by being with you and dealing with that and so he was repeating that pattern and will continue to repeat that pattern until he kills somebody and then he'll be in jail right and he's uh, unfortunately such a narcissist that when the book came out he posted about it on facebook and hashtagged his character name which is hector in the book and was boasting about like getting famous off of it the the book of of lies uh, that he's hashtagged his character name and was trying to get famous off of, but he went to jail like two days afterwards. So, so, and he, when you ever brought this up into family and friends and stuff, he would always deny it. I would assume. Of course I was crazy. I was. And his family believed him to some degree, didn't they? To some degree. And then like some of the siblings would be in my inbox saying something very different than they were saying to him. And you know, they have to support their brother. It's his brother, it's the brother, blah, blah, blah. But at this point, I just really don't care. Anybody at, at this point in my daughter's life that hasn't been around for me and my daughter from day one, you, you really don't have any business. I don't have any business chasing people down that don't want to be a part of her life from square one. I've never received a birthday card, never received a gift for her, never, nothing. One sister called or text on birthdays or around birthdays and holidays but that's it so basically that that family is is pretty much divorced you um which is probably not a bad idea yeah because uh, that you don't want to be around that, that that time but type of toxicity anyway right i do have one his cousin um that lives here he's actually a, a big part of her life and he's the only one that's been around since day one so he's the only blood relative that she has on his side of the spectrum how's your daughter doing amazing she is so let me tell you here now look you got me going she is so smart and sassy i tell you what i've created a little monster she's quite a girly girl but she's tough too she is really tough like she will fight you she's tough she gets that from her mom yeah probably 
Because <laughs> you are you are a beautiful, tough lady, and <laughs> has been through the war. And you you've not only have you survived it, you're taking the time. You've written a book, and with the design of helping others that are lost and don't know where to turn and how to get out of it, that uh, there is an opportunity for them to get out of it, and life can be good again. Absolutely. Provided that you do one thing that I that I encourage a lot of uh, women that I know not to do is don't date the same guy in a different suit. <laughs> and see, that's part of it, though. That's part of your healing process for you. When you get out, you do need to face your own toxicity because I had toxic traits as well. I started to portray my own toxic traits to my husband who did not deserve that and the, the people that were closest around me because I didn't know that I had PTSD. I didn't know that I had high functioning anxiety and depression. I didn't know that I had future injuries that were going to pop up. So I just took it out on everybody else until I realized like I was manic at one point. I've literally challenged a stranger in the mall to a fist fight because he bumped into my daughter and like a grown man. What? Like I did it at the park too. Like I'm trying to fight people who like bump into her or look at her wrong. And that's not normal either. So I did finally go get counseling and seek help for my own behavior. And I learned a lot about myself, but if you don't, if you don't take, you got to do the work right? If you want to change your own patterns, if you want to grow and be different, you also have to do the work. It's not a one-sided um, dynamic at all. No, it's it's vital that uh, that you understand that there's a reason why you got into that relationship Correct. and stayed in that relationship in the first place. Correct. And then you need to uh, go and attack that and find out why that would happen so that you can then have, and if, and you know, you have the perfect motivation. A, a four-year-old girl yeah. that, that, that rises and the sun rises and sets with you and that you have a responsibility for. And that, and it's, that's, that was the, that was the, the, the thing that you needed to make the changes you've made. Correct. For me. And I just, I hope that, you know, cause it, if you don't get help for your, whatever's wrong with you, not that there's something wrong with you, if you if you go through this, but in my case, and in the case of a lot of the women that I know personally that have reached out to me, it's an insecurity. It, like they, they feed off of some kind of insecurity or deep childhood issue that you have, or maybe you come from a line of where it's, it's taught to you that abuse is a little bit more tolerated, you know? So there's, you have to be strong enough to break your own toxic traits, learn about them, grow from them, and try to be better for your kids. It's not easy. This is sadly, you know, this life just ain't easy sometimes at all. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) it would be it would be nice if it could all be cupcakes and roses. But sometimes you have to go through the bad things to get to the good stuff on the other side. But it takes a lot of work and uh, everybody everybody has got issues. I've discovered in my life, I'm a little older than you. um, And I've discovered in my life that virtually every family that I know or have ever met has some sort of dysfunction attached to it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you've got to work through the dysfunction to get to the other side so that you're so that you can end the seven years the seven generation cycle. Yep. Which is to change it. Absolutely. And and self-awareness has a lot to do with that. If you can't come to terms with your own behavior, then what how are you going to change for the better? 
Exactly. Uh, Kayla's got a question for you. Did your gut tell you enough was enough when you were pregnant or, or did you know beforehand? Um, I think that I, the night that I confessed all this to my now husband, um, I think that was the night that it really started to become a little bit more apparent to me that this is something that I need to try to get out of. So that's probably when it started. It's not like I had an aha moment, but I found out a few days after that, that I was pregnant. And that's when it really, like I dug in my heels, you know, and something inside my spirit just was starting to stir. I was just not okay with this anymore. But the, uh, the aha moment, I guess, would be when I found out she was a girl. And I just couldn't, I couldn't imagine raising my, my daughter to think that this was okay. No. No, yeah. it, it, it wouldn't be okay right? Um, because he, if, if he was mean to a puppy for heaven's sakes, you yeah. know, and, and he would, he would be mean to a four-year-old girl as well. Absolutely. His, his tolerance for anything was, was so tiny. And then, you know, add that with the hangovers because he was constantly, you know, out doing the drugs and all that. So he was hostile. He was just hostile. Yeah. And I didn't want my daughter to walk on eggshells all the time. That wasn't something I was going to tolerate either. No, no. By the way, we are talking uh, with Shannon Ezzo. Uh, she's got the book out, Battered Blessings, Surviving My Abuse Toxic Relationship, Abusive Toxic Relationship. Okay. It's right there. Uh, get the book for somebody, and, and it may be you. It may be somebody that you know, uh, but it can be very helpful. By the way, thank you for being here. I admire your toughness and, and your skill. And, and how's the book going, going, by the way? I know it's recently out. It's been doing good. It, it actually came out in December. So it's been doing really good for a first time author, you know, but ow, uh, the, the main goal is to, to help people. So I don't really look at the, the sales too much of it. I, I, what I get from it is people reaching out to me, me being able to help people and encourage people and just kind of be there for people. I think is the best thing that I get out of it. So if somebody wanted to contact you, can they email you? How do they contact you? Yeah, they can go to batteredblessings.com and you can email me from there. Or on Facebook, there's a Battered Blessings page that you can email me on as well. Very good. And uh, are you also working with organizations to help folks? Yeah, I would love to. I would love to do more of that. But um, so far, not so much. I think it's just, I'm just getting to the point where we're really getting around and I'm getting a little bit more attention, you know, for the topic. So um, we'll see what happens. Well, I can tell you this. Um, I was just thinking about TED Talks and you uh, going to schools and and teaching and lecturing and being the speaker in a bunch of different forums to let people know that what happened in your case is not okay, that you got out of it, uh, but the but for, that men should not act like that, damn it. And they Nobody should. Said. No, it's yeah. in, in stuff. So. Thank you very much to somebody. By the way, it's our last little bit together. Is there something that you would like to tell our audience? Anything you would like to tell our audience, you may do so right now. A lot of pressure, right? <laughs> no pressure. Um, no pressure, but say all the stuff right now. No, I just want to make sure that people are encouraged to support one another. And if somebody comes to you and tells you that this is happening to them, believe them. I mean, it, it, you know, at least give them the benefit of the doubt and try to give them a helping hand in some way that you can without escalating the situation. 
Absolutely. Again, we've been talking with uh, Shannon Ezzo and the name of the book again, you don't have to hold it up. Well, you can, if you want to, I mean, I will. (laughs) (laughs) battered blessings, (laughs) surviving my abusive, toxic relationship. She got out of it. She was in it for three years. She's out of it now. She's got a four-year-old daughter. She's married. Life is, is, there is hope on the other side. And, and I'm, I am so glad that you came here. Uh, Will you come back on again? Absolutely. Let me know. I'm here all the time. Yeah, because I'll be I, a regular. Well, what I'd like to do is to is to uh, have maybe you and a couple other folks and talk about um, abuse, sexual abuse, physical abuse, and all of that, and and how to get out of it, and how to be strong and stuff. Because that is people people are committing suicide over what happened to you. I know. And that's really why I thought it was so important to write the book because, and I'm glad that you brought up sexual abuse because when you're in a relationship, you really don't realize or you don't comprehend that you can be raped. You don't, you don't think that way while, while it's happening to you. So in my, in my case, if I was woken up in the middle of the night with being sodomized and asking for it to stop and begging for it to stop, I didn't really consider that rape at the time because he was my boyfriend even though it destroyed me mentally and sucked physically, I didn't, it was just like, well, he just was drunk or whatever, you know, you just excuse it, but you can, you can be raped when you're in a relationship. It's quite common. There's something called consent mm-hmm. that needs to be part of every relationship. And when, what I mean by consent is everybody agrees beforehand right. what's okay and what's not okay. Right. And if somebody says, no, it's not okay. It's not okay. Damn it. Right. Get the memo. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I would love to come back. Just let me know when I'm here. Thank you, my dear. You, you've been a pleasure and to stay right where you are. And by the way, this again is uh, Shannon Ezzo. get the book battered blessing surviving my abusive toxic relationship give it to a friend if you need it read it uh from what from what her amazon uh um reviews say that uh, you pick it up you can't put it down uh and so it's it's a great book and a great read so again i want to thank you very much and um we'll be in touch but stay right where you are i got to do this and then we'll be right back okay Hey, and thanks for listening to this episode all the way to the end. Hey, pretty cool. Hey, don't forget to follow us so you can receive regular updates and new posts. And remember, take care of each other because each other's all we've got. See you next time on My Independence Report.